In the Netflix TV show, Emily in Paris, Emily tracks down a famed fashion designer to apologize for wearing a cheap Eiffel Tower charm to their previous meeting, explaining to the designer that tacky trinkets were all she could afford from any of those crazy expensive couture houses she admired. Is that faux or fashion? I watched Emily in Paris like in one day. Hey, thank you for subscribing to the Fashion League podcast. And, you know, if you didn't subscribe to the Fashion League podcast, I'm just thanking you in advance for subscribing to the Fashion League podcast. So make sure you do subscribe to the Fashion League podcast because then you owe me if you don't, because then I just thank you for no reason. And that's really, really rude. Thank you. And make sure you share with your friends. Don't be selfish. Gosh. Use our promo code RTR Fashion League to get 40% off two months off your Rent the Runway 8 or 16 item membership plan. Great style can be a mood booster and with over 700 designs to choose from, why not swap out those sweatpants for something a little more chic? That's promo code RTR Fashion League, you know, Fashion League like the podcast you're listening to, for 40% off two months of your Rent the Runway membership. On this episode of the Fashion League podcast, we're going to listen to a conversation that I had with Alexis Bennett. Alexis is a commerce writer at Vogue. She's held similar positions as a shopping editor at Cosmopolitan and as an e-commerce editor at InStyle. Alexis earned her MBA in fashion management and entrepreneurship from LIM College in New York City. This allowed her to pursue internship opportunities in fashion since she had already graduated from Florida State University when she decided she would pursue a career in fashion. But before we jump into that conversation with Alexis and talk about her career and what she's been up to and her plans for the future, let's review some things I read this week. Barney's is back, kind of, sort of, a little bit. So following its second bankruptcy, Barney's closed down last year, last February 2020, and this new shop and shop project with Saks, it was actually supposed to open September 2020, and this Barney's at Saks is going to be one floor located inside Saks called Barney's at Saks. You know, Barney's was a cultural icon and everyone, of course, was sad to see them go after their second bankruptcy, but no one was surprised. I actually had a brief stint on the social media team at Barney's back in 2017. I'm definitely sad to see Barney's go. Definitely interested to see what direction this shop and shop situation will lead the brand. But Barney's was known for like launching some of the brands that we think of as iconic right now. So like Barney's launched Aliyah, Barney's launched Comme des Garçons, Barney's launched Christian Louboutin. Like, do we think we're going to get that type of Barney's from a floor inside of Saks? Well, maybe it's possible. Authentic Brands Group actually purchased Barney's last year and they're licensing the Barney's New York name to Saks. And Saks at Barney's is actually launching its first standalone location on January 25th in Greenwich, Connecticut. On Instagram, Diet Prada pointed out this eerie nod from Burberry and Givenchy to the insurrectionist Trump supporters that stormed the Capitol on January 6th. 
So both luxury brands debuted horned hats with their latest collections that dropped recently. So the horned hats kind of look like that dude, the idiot that had the horned animal ears. You know the dude that I'm talking about. The dude in the middle of the Capitol with no shirt on and the horned things on his head. Yeah. Very conveniently, right after that, you see horned hats from these two brands. Like, it could it it could be a coincidence, but I don't believe in coincidences. However, my favorite podcast, Hidden Brain, they say coincidences are more common than people would like to believe. I don't believe it's a coincidence. Hi, Alexis. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing on this lovely Sunday? I'm good. Staying home, trying to stay cozy and warm, but I feel good. Where are you originally from? Let's start there. Yeah, so I'm originally from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I was Mm. born and raised in Florida. Um, You probably can hear a little bit of my Southern accent. It'll come out (laughs) more, I'm sure, um, during the conversation. Um, But now I actually live in Brooklyn Mm -hmm. and I've been in the New York City area for almost nine years now. February 25th will be nine years for me. Nine years. You know, at 10 years, they say that's when you're an official New Yorker. Right. I actually, when I first moved here, I was like, I'm only going to stay for like five years, no longer. I don't see myself leaving anytime soon. I really love it. Even in the midst of this pandemic when everyone's fleeing the city. Oh my gosh. So actually, earlier this year. I lived in New Jersey. So, um, you know, like working in the city and then I was like, okay, I'll just sleep here because it's cheaper. You get more space. Mm-hmm. But during the midst of the pandemic, I'm like, uh-uh, I need to get back in the city. I miss the energy because I'm working from home now. So mm-hmm. I moved back into the city, like directly. I need to be here. Although everything is closed, although, you know, you don't, you know, you don't get as much space, but I just love being in New York and the people who are leaving, like they're not diehard, like true New Yorkers. And I really feel like I just love the place. And it's so special to me. When did you move to New York? What was, what brought you to New York rather? So I was the type of person where I was like, you know what? I want to work in fashion. Like I need to be in New York is one of the fashion capitals of the world. And so I decided to move to New York. Now I tell people, I feel like you don't necessarily have to be here because we have the internet at our fingertips and it has made the world such a smaller place. But during that time in 2012, I felt like I had to be here. And I'm glad I made the decision to move here without knowing anyone. Um, You know, it was a little scary, but also I was just very young and kind of, I would say naive and just blissful and just like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to move to the Big Apple. So yeah, I decided to move here after I graduated from college to pursue a career in the fashion industry. So 2012, Alexis came to New York to pursue fashion. Mm -hmm. So what was like your first fashion job? Oh my gosh. My very first job was I was an intern in PR uh, for BCBG. It was a very interesting experience for me. I really just, um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this my all. I worked literally seven days a week, especially like, um, leading up to our fashion show that season, seven days a week. Like they had this, uh, sign up sheet where the interns would like sign up for whatever hours they wanted to do. 
And Mm -hmm. I literally put all of them. (laughs) I just wanted to be there. Whatever I could soak up, like take in, learn. Like I was just so eager and so ready. And it was so exhausting and tiring. But at the same time, like I, I felt like that was what I needed to do. And I learned so much from it. It showed me one that I knew I didn't necessarily want to stay in PR. You know, I think it's just as important to find out what you don't want to do as much as knowing what you do want to do, which led me to, because PR and and working on the publicist side and goes hand in hand with editorial, um, I worked with a lot of editors and then that experience in my internship taught me, okay, I want to be on the other side of things. I want to be creating the content. After that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to full heartedly pursue getting myself um, a job at some magazine. So that was kind of how I started in my first uh, fashion experience. So I want to go back to that point you made about signing up for all the available opportunities, all the time slots. Yeah. So were you doing that to impress maybe your supervisors or managers, or was this just some internal passion that you were like, I just wanted to be able to do everything whenever I can do it? <laughs> Honestly, I didn't even think of it like, oh, I'm going to impress them. Like, I just wanted to be there. Like, I just wanted to be in the atmosphere. And just like, I think, because I'm such a like dreamer and just like, just whimsical at heart. Like I felt like, you know, I want to be around the clothes. Like I want to be around the people who are, you know, putting on this fashion show. Like I just wanted to be in the atmosphere, to be in the room. Like, so that's why I was like, all give me all the hours. Like I have time. So um, for me, yeah, it wasn't about trying to impress anyone. It was just, I just wanted to be there. Like I wanted to be in the room with everyone who was creating such, you know, wonderful things with BCBG at the time. And however, by chance, did anyone notice this eagerness or was it just a personal satisfaction that you got? I think they noticed, but here's what I'll say. I felt like, you know, at the end of the day, when I, whenever I do anything and whenever I'm like putting my heart and soul into my work and what I do, I don't try to do it for praise from other people because mm-hmm. who's to say that anyone will ever acknowledge your efforts or, or acknowledge your work. So for me, I'm a, I'm very spiritual and I'm like, you know what, at the end of the day, I'm working to glorify God. Like that's how I think about my work. Mm-hmm. And I really like believe in like not trying to impress people, but just trying to become better at what you're doing. Like if you if you practice on your craft, practice on your skills, practice at becoming a better writer, whatever it may be. I think that attention that people seek a lot of times, that'll start to come like automatically. But like I said, like you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't even try to seek that out, like the praise and the acknowledgement from other people. But I do think they noticed, but at the same time, you know, while I was there, a position opened up, an entry-level position for a PR coordinator. Of course, I applied and I was like, look, of course, they're going to give it to me. I'm the only person here seven days a week. I know how to do this job, like the back of my hand. And I ended up not getting the position. The person they hired, I had to train them, teach them things, you know, answer questions for them. So for me, it's just like, you know, at the end of the, end of the, the day, like, whether they acknowledge all the effort that I was putting in or not, like I know I gave it my all. And if they didn't want to hire me, then that was fine. Like I felt, I feel like, um, you know, a lot of times closed doors are blessings. And if I would have gotten that job, I probably wouldn't have been so passionate about working at a magazine. So exactly. 
with that redirection from the PR coordinator role, mm-hmm. you originally wanting to pursue a career in magazines, how did you make that jump? Mm-hmm. Ooh, so for me, I had to, okay. So I knew, okay, I want to work at a magazine. And so I was like, what's the number one skill I need to have? I need to be a great writer. So I started looking for opportunities for whoever would let me write. First of all, I I had my own blog um, back then. And so I'm like, okay, if no one wants to let me write, I'm just going to practice on my blog. So I started writing articles on my blog as if I worked at InStyle Magazine. Like that was my dream magazine. So just looking at the content they created and I'm like, okay, if I were to like, if I were, if I were working there, like, you know, what type of stuff would I want to cover? Whose outfits would I want to write about? What celebrities or stories would I want to do? So I did all that on my blog. So that's like really, I think what helped me eventually um, get my foot into the door is just like I mentioned earlier, just making sure that I, you know, perfected the craft, like really worked on becoming a a better writer. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started interning. Um, My very first writing internship was with Vibe Vixen, which Mm -hmm. it doesn't exist anymore. It is, um, Vibe is still around, which is a a music uh, forward magazine. Vibe Vixen was the sort of sister version of that. And those are my first opportunities to write for someone. So that was another internship that I did. It wasn't paid. Then I I just applied for everything. I got this gig um, writing for another blog. They literally paid me $20 a post. So like, you know, at this point, I'm not really making a living from writing, but it was, you know, anything I could get. I knew that as long as the opportunity aligned to where I was trying to go, I was going to do it. I was, I was going to say yes for whatever I could get. So during that time I was, you know, writing for free $20 here and there. And also I had my retail jobs on the side because New York is not cheap like to live here. So I had to figure out, okay, how am I going to pay this $1,400 a month for my studio apartment? Like, so also it was just a hustle. So from working retail on the side to writing for whoever I could write for. That's really, I think, what helped me get my foot in the door and eventually land my first full-time magazine job. So back to your personal blog, when you were applying to other positions, were you including that blogging experience on your resume? How were you framing that to make part of your portfolio? Absolutely. So, you know, I, when I initially had my blog, so I, okay, let me fast, let me rewind a little bit. I, Went to graduate school. That was what helped me move to New York without a job. I had tuition paid for and housing. So that's how I got into the city without a job, went back to school. But like when I applied to, I went to a fashion school too. I did not include like my blog and I had a YouTube channel at the time, a hot mess. I don't even want to talk about that, but I didn't include those things because I, I thought it was just fun. You know, like this is stuff like I'm having fun. So I always like, Tell people like the things that you're doing that that even when you're having fun with it, like put that on your resume, like that's experience. So initially I did not. And during my interview, when I was applying for grad school, just it came up in a conversation and they were like, why isn't this on your resume? Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, oh, OK, I'll put it because in my head, like I'm like, this is just fun. But at the end of the day, like what I do 
yes, it is fun, but this this is the job. Like it's crazy for me. It's just I think when things come second nature to you and they're just like things you have a good time doing, you don't sometimes you forget like, oh, this is business. Like this is actually, you know, gonna add value to another company or to whoever where where I'm trying to get to. So initially it wasn't, but I did add it after that interview. So yes, I put my blogs, anything I wrote for, like I would even um, print like pages off from my blog's website and take those with me as like a portfolio for when I would apply for jobs and, and, and whenever I had interviews. So yes, I use all of that. That's experience. So now you're getting paid to write. What were you thinking about as like your next step? Were you plotting on going somewhere else? Were you thinking about how you're going to climb the corporate ladder? Like what was going on in your mind at that time? When So initially when I had those like internships and a little freelancing here and there, I was thinking, okay, how can I turn this into full-time like opportunity? So I just really, I think what helped me is really I stayed in touch with everyone who I met. So even during those times when I would interview with people in those interviews, like no opportunity came of that. I still stayed in contact with everyone who I met. So whether it was like sending an email like, hey, oh my God, I just read your story you wrote. Like, I love this part about it. Hope you're doing well. Like short and sweet, like nothing long, but just like trying to keep myself um, at top of mind for people. So I didn't, initially when I applied to an internship at InStyle, I did not get it, but I stayed in touch with one of the ladies who um, I met with. And I would say probably about a year or a half or a year and a half later, she reached out to me and she said, Hey, we're hiring, you know, some freelance fact checkers. It was full-time freelance fact checkers. And do you know anyone who would be interested? So I was like, uh, me, hello. Hello. (laughs) That was like, once I got that opportunity for me, I just like, I was like, Oh my God, like this is going to happen. So yeah, I just, from there, I was like, once I kind of got my foot in the door, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to work my behind off. Like, you know, I'm so like big on like being the first person in the office, being the last person to leave, like, and not just like being there just for show, but also like, you know, working smartly and um, becoming a better writer, just doing everything that I can. So I think that's what really um, I was focusing on. It's just like, growing and seeing how far I can take this. And I'm still focused on that because I'm not at the end. Like I'm, I'm only just beginning. So for me right now, it's like, okay, what's going to be next? How can I get myself to that editor in chief role? Like that's what I'm focused on. And so, yeah, it's always been about growth for me, just figuring out how can I become a better writer? How can I become a better editor? You know, what can I do to take things to the next level? What are some things or activities, tasks that you do to develop your writing or at becoming a better writer, as you said? Um, just writing, like literally just doing it. Writing, it's something like you can't really, I mean, I'm sure people have written books about it, but really I think the best way to learn and to become better is just constantly do it over and over again. So yeah, I I always tell people like if there's a magazine that you specifically would love to write for, like pretend you already work there and start writing stories, like just draft up some stuff from Microsoft Word and pretend like that's going up on the website. And just really, the more you do it, the better you, you get at it. So for me, that's the main, that's how I continue to um, improve my skills. Also reading a lot, like, you know, reading um, and not just for me, like 
sometimes when I feel like I have writer's block, it's not even about like going and reading another fashion story, but reading something like that does has absolutely nothing to do with fashion. So maybe I'll read like some type of scientific study that the New York Times just posted, like completely different, but just like taking in and absorbing different writing styles. I think for me, that's what helps me. Um, really become better at what I do. And you're going for that top spot, as you say, the editor-in-chief role. So yes. what does that look like for you? I guess, vis- can we visualize with you? What you oh, what absolutely. You know? Let's do it. When I think about it too, it automatically gets my brain like thinking, okay, well, what's the difference between Alexis today and that Alexis? So it's like, what are what are the things that I need to get better at? So for me, I think it's, you know, more experience with with strategy, really just because I think a lot of times I get caught up. I'm the type of person I get caught up in the day to day, especially because writing for an online publication is so fast paced Mm -hmm. and you constantly are working in like with deadlines. You have to get stories up by a certain time that you forget to really think about the bigger picture. So I think for me, eventually one day being editor in chief, like obviously I need to have that mindset of always thinking long-term and strategizing and not just like thinking about, okay, content I'm putting out today or this week or next month, but really thinking like, okay, what are we doing today? That's going to help us get to, you know, where we want to be five years from now, or, you know, media, the media landscape is ever evolving. And I think when I first started in magazines, you know, people were like, oh my God, like online and websites are replacing print. But now it's like, well, social media is replacing websites because, you know, before you can even get your stories up, everybody's tweeting about it. Everybody's posting it on their Instagram. So, you know, it's always constantly thinking about the ways that media, the media industry is evolving and how can you you know, use the data that you have to predict the future so that you can create better content. Um, So for me, I think that's like really something I need to continue to like sharpen those skills and really look at things from a lens of thinking long term. I think that's really going to help me, you know, get to where I want to get. We think those skills are pretty sharp. (laughs) I I just, uh, what is it? You won an award Mm -hmm. at your for best new article from a new hire. (laughs) I was not, you know how people be like, oh my God, I'm not expecting this. Like, no, I really, I was like, you know what? Let me log into this award ceremony. Like, just like, I literally was still doing work while I was paying attention. And then I saw that I got nominated and I was like, what? So that was really awesome. Um, And I think the biggest lesson for me for for that, too, the story that won was um, it was a farewell letter that I wrote to Kushni, which is one of the few uh, really prominent brands that's ran by a Black woman. And that's a whole nother discussion that we can get into. But that story really came from the heart. So the lesson for me, like with writing that, too, is just like in general, everything I want to like I want to do like in this world, I need to make sure that it's coming from a a place of authenticity. So that's like kind of the lesson that I learned from that, that that story out of all the stories I've written this year, like really came from the heart and I like kept it real. So you mentioned that the Kushni story was like a story from the heart Mm -hmm. and something that was close to you. Do you feel like you invest a lot of your personal experiences in your writing or what is that process like? Yeah, it's something that I haven't really gotten to do as much as I would like to. Mm -hmm. Um, I think 
trying to see. It's so the process, like I'm always, although, you know, I, when you, I think people think when you work at a magazine, you just get to write about whatever you want to, and you don't have the, you don't have to pitch anymore because you work there, but that's not true. You still, you get to, you have to pitch everything. Um, and there's a process and, you know, different reasons why we decide to write what we, what we write. But I think a lot of times too, because I'm such an analytical person too, and a big part of my job is really like, okay, what can I do to not only increase the page views of my stories, but what can I do to, you know, help us make revenue through our affiliate partners? Like I'm always thinking in numbers and sometimes I can be so analytical that I forget to make time for those things. Like, look, I just care about this topic and this topic is important to me. Let me see if, you know, this is something I can cover. So a lot of times I will say I do kind of like, I'm more so thinking like what stories are going to perform and not really like, oh, I care about this and I want to write about this. But that is something that I do want to do more of because winning that award was just like, like I said, it was a lesson for me of like, to try to think of things like in topics that I'm genuinely passionate about and maybe other people will be interested in it too. Um, especially, I think that's something a lot of people take for granted is the, like even the conversations you're having with your friends, the small talk, that could be a bigger, a bigger story that can be shared, you know, on a platform like Vogue or wherever it may be where you have the opportunity to share it at. So where are you drawing inspiration from for these stories? Like, is it, mm-hmm. so you mentioned that you have to pitch stories or are you assigned any stories or how's that? Yes, yeah, a combination of both. I would say most of the stories I write are the ones that I pitch, but occasionally there'll be one where they're like, hey, Alexis, do you want to write this? I'm like, sure. But how? where am I drawing inspiration from? So kind of mentioned this a, a little bit with the last question is like data is a really big part of, you know, what I do. So I have access to obviously like, you know, which stories are getting the most, the most traffic page views, um, eyes on them. So that's one thing I look at and I'm like, okay, if people seem interested in this topic, what are some other ways that I can cover that topic? Or, you know, is there a, a unique angle I can add to that topic? So I'm always keeping an eye out on what stories are performing best. Also, um, for me, a big part of me looking at data is looking at the Google Analytics and just seeing, okay, what are people searching for? How can I create a story that when they type in whatever they're searching for on Google, that my story is the first story that comes up? So I'm like really big into data. That's a huge part of helping me decide what I want to write about. And also because we have so many affiliate partners that we partner with, I get to see, you know, what people are buying, even if if, if they buy something else that wasn't featured in, in the story or something we aren't talking about. I'll use that information to, to decide, okay, maybe Maybe we should cover, we've been focusing on sweatpants. Maybe we should focus on jeans now. People seem, you know, ready to go back into the real world and put on their jeans again, like just little details like that. So I, that is a big part of helping me come up, strategize what type of content that I want to write. And then when it's something more personal, it kind of can vary from, okay, what happened in the news, for instance, when we found out, you know, Kushni was closing. Okay, can I can I do a story on my Ferrell? Like, I love this brand. Or, you know, maybe I'm on Instagram and I see all of my friends have the same handbag, but nobody's writing about it. Can I do a story on that? Like, 
So I just kind of draw inspiration from a little bit of everywhere. And just like, I always have my eyes open for, you know, different ways to come up with stories, even when I'm not working on the weekend. It's just like, it's a constant cycle of like really thinking about ways to to create new content. So even when you're not working, you're working. <laughs> it's nonstop, but it's fun. I will say it's fun. And that's why I tell people like, if you're not really like passionate, like you're not going to like it. If if this is something you wouldn't be doing, you know, in your free time on the weekend, like I'm the type of person, like when I need to, when I'm shopping, like, and I need a black dress. If my favorite website has 52 pages of dresses, like I'm going to look at every single dress. And that's what I do at Vogue. Like um, everything that I feature, I'm like, okay, is this the best one? Like, is this the best one? And so it's like, it's already something that I would naturally be doing. So I always tell people like, if you're not serious about it, like I would say, just do something else. But it really is it's a time consuming job that I think a lot of times too, people only see the glamorized version of it, but it's not, it's not really that. And I'm, and that's just something I'm trying to share more. It's like the ups and downs and, you know, it's a lot of hard work and it's like nonstop, but it's fun for me. What would be the biggest misconception of your job? Hmm. The biggest mis... Okay, let me see. I would say, I, I think I just kind of mentioned it, just like... I think people think, yes, like being around, you know, the having the opportunity to work with amazing designers or celebrities and um, be on set, go to amazing events, travel the world with these brands. Like it, that is definitely glamorous. But, you know, I think it's it's hard for people to really figure out a way to show, you know, those moments when you were interning and you were running around New York City carrying 10 garment bags over your shoulder and getting on the subway, walking up the stairs, like so that you could get the clothes on set. And just like those little moments, I think um, we don't people don't aren't as transparent and they're not really sharing that. So and even now, you know, there's a lot of times where I'm like, I don't want to write today. I, I don't even know how am I going to write three stories today? Like, where am I going to find a way to focus and get this done? So I would say, you know, I think that's the biggest misconception is that it's just so glamorous all the time. And it's it's not. It really isn't. What are you ready to play for fashion? Um, I'm scared. I don't know. I don't know. I just. Let's see. I hope I get the questions right. So. Oh my goodness. This is going to be easy peasy. This is okay. <laughs> Let's go. Bring it. For fashion is an easy peasy fashion trivia game. I'm just okay. going to ask you some fashion headline stories and you're going to tell me whether it's a true story or a false story. Okay. Easy. Okay. I got it. Okay. Are you ready for your first question? Let's do it. Okay. Lady Gaga will be starring in a true crime movie portraying Patrizia Reggiani, who hired a hitman to murder her husband, Maurizio Gucci, the heir to the luxury Italian fashion house, Gucci. Is that flow or fashion? Oh my gosh. Um, I, I don't know. Lady Gaga, you know, she is really taking over acting. Oh my gosh. I'm going to say fashion. Yes, that is a true, okay. it's true all around. Wait, what okay. were you doubting? Were you doubting whether Lady Gaga was involved or, or were you yeah, doubting? I was, I was doubting that maybe someone else was starring in the movie because I have not heard about this movie at all. So, yeah. So I think it was announced earlier this year, but then they confirmed a few more of like the ensemble cast that they're planning to have. But I okay. was more 
uh, confused by the story. I didn't know uh, Gucci, Gucci Man, Gucci Man was gonna be a, a murder story. I had no idea. Yeah, but, that's gonna be good. Um, and I, like I said, Lady Gaga has really been killing it, so I'm excited to see that. I gotta look into that. I'm looking forward to it. Let's see. So your second question, you got the first one. Oh, and since this is the end of the year, I should say that we usually do three forward fashion questions, which you're going to get six. Mm-hmm. And so that's the even number, but you know, it, it'll work out. So okay. you're, already, you're already in the lead. <laughs> Next question. In the Netflix TV show, Emily in Paris, Emily tracks down a famed fashion designer to apologize for wearing a cheap Eiffel Tower charm to their previous meeting, explaining to the designer that tacky trinkets were all she could afford from any of those crazy expensive couture houses she admired. Is that faux or fashion? Fashion. It's fashion? (laughs) It is. I saw that, yes. I watched Emily in Paris like in one day, embarrassed to say, but I loved it. And it was just so, it was so cheesy, but like, I just love like bad cheesy television like it was and it didn't make any sense because she was in <laughs> Paris in those four thousand dollar Chanel bags it made no sense she couldn't afford anything else but the charm I'm like ma'am ma'am the plot holes in there you know we just gonna act like we didn't see those <laughs> you can't be a basic bitch and a lioness bitch like, like right you know. which one which one is it gonna be gosh Next question. For its fall 2020 menswear show in January, Home de Garçon put models in lace front wigs with cornrows with the wigs placed far down the model's foreheads, having the hairstylist claim that he was inspired by Egyptian princess. Is that faux or fashion? Okay. I know this happened, but I'm just trying to think, was it fall 2020? I'm just going to say fashion. That is fashion. So that was menswear for fall. Okay. That's the only thing I was like, I'm not sure which season, but I remember it happening and them giving credit to the Egyptians. So yeah. <laughs> I, I remember very distinctly. Poorly placed wigs. Were- oh my God. I was like, the lace front is literally on the eyebrow. Why did you have to drag the Egyptian prince into this? Oh my gosh. Yeah, at least hire some black people to help put the wigs in the proper place, but that's a whole nother story. So, um, thanks. <sighs> okay, so listen, you're at, well, no, you have three more questions. So, you're three, you have three more questions. Okay. So, fourth question. This summer, after posting an Instagram quote stating, Montauk mornings in my new summer garden, a wellness influencer was asked to vacate her Hampton summer rental due to not paying over $14,000 in back rent, resulting in her asking her landlord, are you going to kick out a 91-year-old middle-aged man? He's not middle-aged. In the middle of a pandemic? And so is that faux or fashion about this influencer basically squatting in Montauk? Okay. <laughs> That's a lot. That was a mouthful. <laughs> oh, wait, who's, I'm confused with the 91-year-old. Yeah, she wrote to her landlord, are you going to kick out a 91-year-old man in the middle of a global pandemic? Okay. I feel like there are two people in this world who would do something like that. Wait, the question well, isn't who did it, right? No, it's not who did it. It's just did it happen? Influencer, did they do this? Um, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to say fashion. Like they did do this. Yeah. So after posting all summer about 
you know, how people post about the Hamptons. Yes. Then it came in the New York Post that she owed back rent and also tried to guilt her landlord into making her stay because her 91-year-old father was staying there when oh the 91-year-old father revealed that he was indeed not staying there. Oh, so, my gosh. Who is this? Uh, I can't say, but she, like, worked for some prominent places. But I'm I'd rather not get involved in the litigation. <laughs> I think I know who she is, but I won't name no names. <laughs> but the the article is on the New York Post. Oh my so, gosh, that's terrible. The privilege. Oh my goodness. So your next question. Billionaire Kanye West received a two million dollar PPP loan with the understanding that one hundred and sixty jobs would be saved at his company Yeezy with this government backed, fully forgivable loan meant for companies with less than five hundred employees. Is this faux or fashion? You know, the PPP loans. Yes. I know he did get two million. What was the second part of the statement that he would use the money to save jobs? Yeah, 160 jobs at Yeezy. Oh, I just don't know if that part is true. I don't know what he did with the money. Trick questions. So I'll give you that. So it'll be just full or fashion all around. No trick questions. Okay. So fashion, true. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Yeah. He did get this loan. He is reportedly a billionaire, according to Forbes. And then Forbes also wrote this Uh, article. uh, uh. <laughs> All I'm saying is, mm. <laughs> 160 jobs were saved allegedly. Okay, so, don't believe everything you read. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so, throwing that B word out there. I won't say don't believe everything. I will say read some more. Read <laughs> exactly, and not just the headline. Read the whole story. Definitely <laughs> shaded him in that story. <laughs> so. I I was just talking to my friends about how much I read and like I read a lot of headlines and like the first and last paragraph and it's kind of something I learned in grad school is like reading the abstract and then the conclusion mm. if I want to read the rest of it yeah. <laughs> end up reading headlines and then the first paragraph so I'm going to try to get better at that but I read this whole article and I encourage everyone else to <laughs> Definitely. And at least you do that because a lot of people don't even do that. So, Uh, you know what I do like is a lot of websites include like how long it'll take you to read this. I'm just like, you can get through a four minute article. What are you going to do? Like, scroll more TikToks? Like, relax. Just read. Especially if you're going to share it. Like, but you didn't even read the story. You don't like, yeah. So, I don't think people understand too the, the way headlines are structured to grab your attention. But, that's a whole nother story. So. Grab your attention and also meet SEO. Listen. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you click on it and answer the question that you put in Google. Okay. Hello. <laughs> your final. You already won. We're no. just. <laughs> but we're asking. for extra credit. All right. <laughs> Following the success of their Fashion Month programming with brands like Alice and Olivia, J.W. Anderson, and Louis Vuitton, TikTok has partnered with Walmart for a QVC-style in-app shopping program showcasing TikTok creators doing closet tours, live runway shows from their living rooms, and dance-offs touting brands like Champion, Jordache, and Kendall and Kylie. Is that faux or fashion? I'm going to say I did hear about Walmart working with TikTok, and I know... Oh, let me see. But is this true? I just didn't know the extent. I now nah, I'm not gonna. I read the headline and not the story. So <laughs> in that case, 
Uh, I'll go with fashion. I feel like, I yeah. feel like, true. Yeah. all fashion. Listen, yeah. I gave a straight roster of fashion because 2020 was a weird year. So I was yep, like, my gosh. things that not quite under the radar, but, you know, needs, needs a little more attention. I encourage yeah. you guys to, you know, click through the show notes and read some of these. <laughs> a little, it's interesting. I actually just downloaded TikTok today. So um, I've been resistant to it. But you will not see me dancing on there. But I'm just just gonna figure out a way to share content there in a way that makes sense for like what I do. But mm-hmm. it is interesting these partnerships like Walmart and TikTok. Who would have thought? I thought Walmart and like the luxury brands back in September were. Like, oh yeah, I meant TikTok, TikTok and luxury brands. Like when they did their fashion on. Yeah, I was like, wow. Okay, with luxury brands being so reluctant, like a few years ago to even have websites now you're like yeah let's jump into this tiktok see what the kids are talking about oh yeah it's just like you just have to figure out how to keep evolving evolve or die so i'm i'm all for it even though it's like weird combinations of stuff happening like i love seeing people at least trying and putting themselves out there so so do you have any i guess memorable 2020 fashion related things to share or you you don't have to because I did not ask you to do anything I think for me what I'm I love seeing is the outpouring I mean obviously it should have been this way from from the get-go but just the outpouring support for the black community the black fashion community right now mm-hmm. um it is amazing to see, you know, so many of like my friends finally get like, you know, the support and the due that they deserve that they've been putting in the work for for years. So I hope that's not a trend. I hope that people continue to support and and not only because they're black, but because they're talented. So like, it's just for me, I feel like that is, you know, a kind of silver lining that came out of all of the chaos and mess of 2020. And yeah, I really just, I'm just so happy for a lot of my friends who I see like are really being supported in the way that they deserve to be supported right now. I agree. That is it. I do the fellow fashion. You answer the questions here and school and all that. And we are done. <laughs> that was so good. I was so nervous that I would get everything wow. wrong. I don't know. I, I just felt like, okay, it's a quiz coming, but <laughs> I got this. Easy peasy. It was easy and it was fun. <laughs> and you got all of them correct. Like, what is the problem? Okay. This was awesome. The rest of your Sunday. Amazing. You too. I'm glad we could connect. So you like the episode. You're still here. It's over. Write us a